All right, today I am talking with Michelle Crook, and she is a graduating senior at Bowdoin College. She is the student director of the Women's Resource Center. She is the vice president of Bowdoin Student Government, and she's been very involved in campus activism, especially in the last two years. And so um, this is our inaugural conversation for this podcast, and Michelle's been really kind to um, be the guinea pig for this. And what I did was um, decide that I'm going to ask Bowdoin students um, from all different segments of the Bowdoin population three different questions. And those three different questions are, what's most important to you? And um, what do the liberal arts mean to you? And what do you wish professors knew about you? And we'll see where those conversations go. So let's just start with um, the first. So what's most important to you? So I think right now what's most important to me is me, if that makes sense. My physical, emotional, mental well-being is most important. I think that's taken a back burner for most of my life because I've had to worry about taking care of those around me. Um, so my family, my brothers, uh, those would probably be the primary people that I've uh, sort of had to worry about before I could worry about myself. Um, and then coming to campus and being thrown into uh, all these different organizations and leadership positions where um, I was hearing students talking about things that they found to be obstacles at Bowdoin and how much they were hurting and how much they were struggling here. Um, I felt like I needed to help them first and then I could help myself. And I realized now looking back that uh, I'm kind of very important and I need to take care of myself and make sure that everything is, is square with me before I can start sort of branching outwards. Um, so right now I would say I'm most hmm. important, um, but obviously my brothers are incredibly important. My family's very important. Um, making a, a life that includes uh, financial stability is incredibly, mm. incredibly mm -hmm. important, even though I wish it wasn't as important as it is. Um, and then figuring out how to find support networks after Bowdoin is something that has been on my mind and something that I know will be important once I go to Poland in the fall for the Fulbright ETA. Um, I think for all that I have qualms with when it comes to Bowdoin. One thing it is really good at is it is a centralized space of tons of resources and support networks that granted some of them work better than others and you have to do a little bit of digging to find them at times, but they're here uh, and they're close. Um, and at least some of them are incredibly accessible. And so I'm thinking about, you know, how do I find friends and mentors and mm -hmm. support networks uh, for myself as a woman of color um, in the future. What have been some of the biggest sources of support for you here? You're saying that Bowdoin is this place that has many of those supports in place. So what, which were most significant to you? The ones that pop out to me immediately would be a handful of professors that I've had here. Those have been, and I think those have been incredibly important to me because they've 
allowed me to understand myself through an educational lens, but also just through a personal one, and have made my time at Bowdoin and have made my degree here, which is kind of what you're at college for, is to get an education and to get a degree. And they've made that the most relevant experience possible to me. Hmm. Um, they've shown me how what I learn in class matters and how I can see myself uh, in my material um, and what I want to do later in life. So faculty have been there for me since basically day one. <laughs> hmm. What does that look like? I mean, does that... Does that look like someone who has um, devised some culturally relevant um, curriculum and that the readings appeal to you intuitively or um, because they reflect your life experience or is it something about mm -hmm. interaction with the professors or the kind of work you're asked to do with them? Yeah, I think it's a combination of uh, a bunch of those things. I think it depends on the professor's discipline and it also depends on the context in which I meet the professor for the first time. So uh, Bowdoin has pre-orientation trips and I did a science-related one mm. and for part of it we had to give a presentation and when we gave this presentation we gave it in front of a whole host of science and math and computer science faculty, none of whom I really knew at that point, like I was just presenting this mm. five-minute PowerPoint uh, and I remember after the presentation a professor, a stats professor, walked up to me um, amongst, you know, everyone else was kind of crowding around and you know, congratulating each other, comes up to me and says, uh, I very much enjoy your presentation and I want you to know that you did an incredible job uh, and I hope that you'll take my class. Uh, did you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, yes, yes, I absolutely took his class first semester, biostats, and I was not at <laughs> all interested in the subject area, but for him to notice the work that I had put into this presentation and take the time to come up to me and recognize me on my work. And I knew that I did a good job and I yeah, wanted someone to yeah. say, like, that was a good presentation. It was short, but it stood out. Um, okay. And I needed to hear that. And he not only said that, but he also invited me to come mm. spend more time with him and then to learn what he is doing. So I was like, oh, how awesome is that that you came and listened to some knowledge that I gave you and now you kind of want to reciprocate that. So I ended up taking his class um, and struggled so much <laughs> but did really well for some reason. Um, so that was really important to me. And then outside of that, it's been professors who, you know, I'll go to office hours and ask if they know anything about a particular topic and they'll hand me five articles or I was talking with a professor just the other week who's a visiting professor um, and I was mentioning to her that uh, I wanted to read something written by a Latina feminist mm. and she was like, have you like read Gloria Ansaldúa? And I was like, no, not yet. I know! What? Right? What? Right? And I was like, I'm 22. Like, I've heard this name, but yeah. I never... And she was like, oh my god. And so she grabbed, Did she pull it off the shelf for she you? She pulled Borderlands off okay. the shelf. I'm looking for my copy right now that I'm going <laughs> right. to hand you. If, right. if she didn't. So. That's exactly what I mean. She just, like, handed me this book and was like, take it and read it and, like, make notes in it. So it's, it's those interactions that are more than just what happens in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a getting to know me as a person and... Uh, opening doors for me that wouldn't have existed otherwise. Like, she didn't need to give me the book. She didn't really even need to guide me throughout mm -hmm. that whole process. She could have been like, Google it, or she could have given me a list of names. 
Um, but instead, you know, we spent an hour talking about Gloria, and which then went into talking about like Latinas and hip hop and rap, and we were just like mm. watching music videos. Um, so it extends into those things, or it also extends into you know there are some professors in my department who, after a bunch of really difficult uh, activist-related things were happening on campus, who reached out to me, uh, and just two sentences said, "I see what you're doing and I support you, and know that you're on the right side of history," um, hmm. which is a really small gesture, uh, but means the world to me. Were these just emails that they sent? Yeah. 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 But now when I see them in person, like we can say hello in a way that we understand each other, even Mm. though I've never really spoken to them. I've never taken their class, but, um, we say hello and I feel respected and I feel present. Hmm. What was that like coming to Bowdoin from Chicago? Um, and having that first, um, the, that first pre-orientation, and here you are presenting to um, professors in Maine. What was, can you think back to them and yeah. chan- channel the feelings and the questions and thoughts that you had? Yeah, it was, it was honestly, the first month of Bowdoin was maybe like the happiest time of my life up until that point. Um, I went to a really rigorous high school, and so the academic level here was exciting to me. I loved giving presentations. I've always loved public speaking. I've been doing it since grade school. Um, I've enjoyed it. Um, I've come, I come from a family of like singers and teachers and orators. And so uh, I loved giving the presentation. I thought I loved science. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. So I was like, yes, um, this is where I should be. And I've been excited about Bowdoin since the day that I stepped onto campus. I applied here, early decision. Hmm. So I knew that this is where I wanted to be. Um, I was also leaving a little bit of a complicated family dynamic. And so I was excited to get out of Chicago. Um, I was excited to not be in a city. I wanted something more quiet, more intimate. Um, I wanted something drastically different. Uh, And so I came here and I was like, this is, I get to start a new life, kind of. I get to re-envision myself. I get to do some really incredible identity growth. I get to be an adult. I get to not be at home. And I get to explore parts of my identity that I wasn't allowed to at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really liberating. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, you know, slowly but surely I started realizing that uh, Bowdoin actually wasn't <laughs> wasn't all the things that I thought it was. Uh, even my pre-orientation trip, I didn't know at the time was meant to be a science experience for first-generation students and students of color. Uh, And I remember... And do you you identify with both of those categories? I do, right. Mm -hmm. I do, I do. Um, And we took a picture of all of us BSC kids at the end of Mm -hmm. the experience, and uh, I had a photo of it in my room, and I remember someone from my floor came in and was like checking out our decorations, because that's what you do, like Mm -hmm. walking around rooms and seeing how people are decorating their walls. And someone saw it, and they were like, oh, what is that? Because they didn't recognize a couple of other students in our grade in it. And I was like, oh, that's BSE and, you know, Bowdoin Science Experience. And they were like, oh, look, I'm interested in science. Like, how come I didn't get a chance to do that? And I was like, oh, I actually don't know. Like, I got an email about it kind of early on. Like, I'm assuming you should have also. And this student who, you know, was white, was looked at the picture again, was like, oh, that was for, like, the people of color. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, no, was it? And then I looked at the photo and I was like, wow, most of us are black and brown. Yeah. Um, and whoever was white, I later learned was first gen. Yeah. Uh, and that was a that was my first experience of like being put down and told like, oh, uh, you're on some type of lower track. And I was like, I went to the best high school in Illinois. Like, you can't say that to me. <laughs> like, like, do you, so do you see the problem in that situation being the perception that that student had about what BSE was? Or do you see the problem of that was that BSE existed at all? I think it was that I felt, I felt like I had walked through all of BSC and even in that moment I feel like I still had blindfolds on and had my hands tied and didn't even know how to respond because I wasn't sure what the problem was. I mean I enjoyed my BSC experience so much and looking back on it now and not being a science major I still stuck with the minor but uh, seeing how many obstacles there are even within science and math departments here there absolutely needs to be some sort of outreach mm -hmm. to students of color and first-gen students who are interested in science to make sure that they feel support and they feel welcome because mm -hmm. if you look at some of the classes my POC friends are in now uh, if they're in science I mean they're like the only person of color in a room full of 30 plus students and that's ridiculous yeah. um, you know and there's a reason why so many of us dropped out of the majors and dropped out of the minors altogether or what was your switched reason? over. Um, yeah, I I found something that I was more passionate about and more in love with, and I found something I was better at, which was sociology. Mm -hmm. um, and then on top of that, I think uh, after I got enough credits for the minor, looking at the classes afterwards that I would have needed to fulfill my major, I was like, none of these really excite me. Mm. And these are all classes that are preparing me to go to graduate school for Earth and Oceanographic Science, and I don't plan on doing that. Um, so I was like, let me not kill myself for mm -hmm. a track that is not appealing right. to me. Um, but, yeah. So I absolutely think that there should be a program like BSC, but uh, it just wasn't explicit to me what it was for. And so I felt lied to and kind of heard mm. that, that someone had assumed that I needed help at that time, which, like, I understand, I understand some of the reasoning behind that. Uh, but in the moment, I was like, I'm fresh out of high school. Uh, I'm, I still haven't had that whole culture shock. I still don't understand my own identity very well because I'm biracial. Both my parents are immigrants. I'm Polish and Mexican and didn't really identify as Mexican very much until I got to Bowdoin. Mm. And so for me, it was this moment of incredible friction of like, oh, you just put me into a box that I didn't entirely sign up for. Why would you do that? <laughs> and like, wait, but let me tell you all the other things that I am also. Uh, and there just wasn't room for that. Yeah. Hmm. It's really fascinating. It almost sounds like if you could have opted in with full, if it were explicit, that that might have felt like an experience that had more integrity. Yeah. Or something. I'm just, that's what I hear you saying. So mm -hmm. that's interesting. I'm wondering, you know, you talked about, um, that now you're focused on care for yourself. I don't want to call it just self-care, but that, yeah. but but focusing on yourself. And there are a lot of different reasons, like given <laughs> di changing families and you know, or you know, changing where you are living right now and being about about to go be responsible completely for yourself okay. outside of a college environment and um, just 
you know, you speak a lot about identity development and growing through that. Are there, is there any advice you'd give to your younger Bowdoin self about, <laughs> about caring for yourself that you would say, <clears throat> Bowdoin self, first year, sophomore year, please start doing this? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I would say that, that, that first yourself know that the way that Bowdoin markets self care is like not the only way to do self-care. How does Bowdoin market self-care? Um, I'm not sure as a professor I necessarily n- yeah, know that. It's a very like uh, do some yoga, meditate, say no to things, um, no when to back. It's a very like individualistic, it is your job and your job only to take care of yourself and you should know mm when you've reached your limits and you should tap out when you need to tap out and my self-care uh ideally doesn't separate this like mind body spirit i don't think we do anything here when it comes to self-care of the spirit mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. i can be physically and you know mentally okay but like my spirit can be really low mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. needs help also but that uh part of self-care is caring for the community and so at times I would have liked to be honest with myself and tell myself the way that you care for yourself is to care, is, is to change this place. Um, and you need to get other people on board with that. Um, because sometimes it's not enough to sit in your room and cry or to get your nails done. Um, you know, like, you know, sometimes when even staff here would ask me during, what was it, like the gangster party or something, would ask me, like, what do you need? And I would be like, well, I think the answer you're asked, like, the, the way that you're framing that to me makes it sound like I'm required to say tea or cookies or, like, to a meal off campus mm-hmm. or coffee. Mm-hmm. And, like, no. <laughs> like, I want you to go march up to the president's office and advocate for me or fight for me because I should be able to count on other people to care for me when I can't care for myself. Um, and conversely, there are moments where I need to care for other people and tell them, you need to care for yourself or like you should take a break Mm. or what can I do for you? And if they say, I need you to go march up to this professor and demand X, Y, Z, be like, all right, word, let's figure that out. Have you done that? (laughs) I've told friends and no one's ever taken me up on it really. But, um, (laughs) there have absolutely been moments where friends of mine have done that for me and have said, you need to get off campus. We're going in my car. Let's just go somewhere. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. and we've done that. Um, you know, so I would tell myself that probably. I would also tell first year me that uh, it's okay to be uh, more public and compassionate with myself. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think for a long time, it wasn't until this year really that I started naming and saying to people that I felt really lonely here, Mm -hmm. which I think is uh, like something that we don't, something I don't think most people here consider a very important feeling or emotion that like it's okay to be lonely like you can make it Mm. but as a sociologist who understands like that social death is very real and that not having connections that ground you or that make you feel connected uh that stuff is so important (laughs) that stuff is everything and so to think about like wow what does it mean that I've been here for four years and like haven't had a significant other uh not for lack of trying like what I find that both amazing 
And <laughs> I didn't know that about you. And um, a strangely common in yeah. that an, that I don't really understand um, the Bowdoin culture in that way. And because, and I don't know if this is a phenomenon across campuses and that it's a generational mm-hmm. or thing or what, but I mean, I remember coming here and saying, I don't see anyone kissing in the quad. I don't see anyone holding hands. Yeah. I mean, and for me, a lot of my undergrad experience was falling deeply and passionately yeah. in love multiple times with multiple people, yeah. right? And I mean, you don't have to be that way, but <laughs> but that was a big part of my experience. So what do you think that's about? Uh, I don't know. I mean... <clears throat> I'm sure I can come up with some logistical answers. You know, it's a small, (laughs) small liberal arts college in the middle of Brunswick, Maine. But I think also um, part of it to me is this like New England culture of uh, being incredibly polite and thinking that you are somehow such a rational being that like Mm. emotions and feelings don't ever go into things. Um, Whereas a lot of my friends of color here at least are incredibly passionate and do nothing unless their whole heart is in it um, and do it with fervor <laughs> and do it, you know, with with a rationality that maybe isn't understood in the Western sense, but it is a type mm-hmm. of rationality also. Um, and also, I don't know that Bowdoin is particularly good at teaching us to be vulnerable um, and I think there's and That's what so I heard you saying much, when you were talking about loneliness yeah. is like, that's yeah. admitting vulnerability yeah. in a place where you can't. being okay, <laughs> being, being on top of everything yeah. is really valued, yeah. it seems like. Yeah. Um, let's go to the second question and just see where it goes, because I'm curious, you said this is a small liberal arts environment, <laughs> like what does this liberal arts mean to you? Um, I guess most literally it means that I'm a sociology major and an earth and oceanographic science minor, and I've taken classes in almost every discipline here, and I have pulled something out of each and every single one of those classes that have made me a better student, but also hopefully a better person. (laughs) So (laughs) the classes that stick out to me the most that I've taken at Bowdoin aren't necessarily ones that fit under my major. I took a history class on Martin Luther King and Malcolm X in America, and that was life-changing. You know, all of my education, I mean, education, the human condition was mind-blowing. And those all have provided me with little snippets of, of other disciplines, of other methodologies, of other ways of thinking about things, of different texts, and being able to see and read all of those across a across disciplines I'm in an ethics course right now Mm. and we bring in a lot of philosophy and originally that would have made me itch and be super scared (laughs) because I think that philosophy is not for me or I can't do it and it's confusing but I was like oh wait no like this is I remember how to do this I know how to read this um you know I could bring in Soch into it if it was you know set in a particular conflict or uh in an international area, I could think like, oh, like let's think of the historical, you know, context of this country and how that might influence it. Or, 
you know, so it was just really, it's just been really exciting to think about every problem from so many different angles, and I think that's what liberal arts means to me, uh, and it's incredibly obvious to me when I go back home and talk to friends who go to other colleges, universities, or when I go to conferences and meet people who don't go to a liberal arts college, how different we are and how differently we approach issues um, and how much I think more depth I can bring to um, a given topic um, just by sheer nature of like questioning everything <laughs> from every angle and yeah. I don't necessarily see that type of perspective from students who don't go to a liberal arts college. What do you wish your professors knew about you? Hmm. Um, I wish that they knew that I'm a real person uh, outside of their classroom and that it is impossible for me to separate myself and to separate what goes on in my life and what goes on outside of the three hours that we have class from the room that I enter when they're in it. Um, I want them to know that, I would want them to know that, you know, whatever is happening on campus is impacting me and is impacting other students and you should bring that in. <laughs> you should let me bring my entire self into the classroom so that when I sit there, when I participate, I'm giving it my all and I'm giving it everything and that matters and that is relevant and that is significant um and that you know i was thinking about this earlier and i was like you know there is not a single class here that couldn't have brought in what was happening in ferguson when mike brown got shot into the class like there's no discipline there's no class and if you can't think of a way to bring that in then you need to think a little bit harder and maybe think a little bit more creatively um but there's just no way you know um Everything right now is, is for the most part taught from a perspective and through a lens where white students and particularly white male students feel so comfortable because they're looking through the same lens they grew up with. Um, but what would it mean to switch lenses every so often or to think that maybe that's not all there is and that if I'm, you know, moody in class after some students wore sombreros that maybe that's not trivial. Maybe uh, you should ask me what's going on or just invite my whole self into the room. I want to tell you something that I've been writing in your letters of recommendation. <laughs> as we, You can respond to it if you want to, but sure. uh, you don't have to. We can just stop afterwards. But um, you were talking about how how much you loved Bowdoin the first month you were here, and then you felt like some illusions you had about it fell away, and that's when your activism kicked in, and um, that you, you started to s search for community and how to improve the community. And one of the things that I've written consistently um, is that you, know, you are not a person who ever said you wished you went somewhere else. Um, you have never said, I made the wrong choice about where I went um, to college. What you said is, I'm going to make this place better. And I've really admired that about you. 